mission defines and helps determine direction and purpose. A mission helps provide focus for what we are doing today that will take us where we want to be tomorrow. Jesus gave us a clear mission. Put simply, we are to make disciples who make his way known. We are Harvest, and together we support the mission of the church. What is the mission of the church? You know, if I were to ask you, if somebody asked you today, what's the mission of your church? I mean, 98% of churches use Matthew 28, 19, which is what we use here to go into all the world and make disciples. And yet, we've kind of condensed that to this saying, that uh, we make disciples who make his way known. So today, we're going to talk about what it looks like to make disciples. And everything we do here is discipleship. You know, it's interesting to me because I get around other pastors and other pastors uh, talk about events that, that they've done or places they've spoken and, and you know, it, it turns into, well, we've got this many at our church or we have this many in the last thing or how many people got saved. You know, well, really, is salvation what we're after? It's step. Everybody takes that step, that first step into salvation, but it doesn't end with salvation. Guys, I say this many times, you're not going to be saved by the skin of your teeth. Because you don't have skin on your teeth. So the truth is, is that there's got to be a way that we're made disciples because that's what Jesus is looking for. That's the transformation of the world, is discipleship. So we're, everything that we do here, when we talk about one church and one mission, it really deals with discipleship. So week one, we talked about discipleship and unity. That, that as we are unified as one church, you should come in here and not have to fight with anyone. That's a good feeling. This is not the octagon. All right, save that. Silva's fighting this weekend. We're trying to figure out how we're going to pump that into the men's retreat, you know. But so it might be worth it. Never mind. Unity is important. It brings on the blessing of life. We talked about we've got to protect the unity of the church. We've got to refuse to gossip. We've got to act in love. We've got to follow leadership. We need to understand there is biblical correction out there. Week two, we talked about responsibility, which was probably my favorite in all of the, that we've spoken of about harvest so far. It's just responsibility that, look, as Christians, Christianity comes with responsibility. And there's responsibility that we need to uphold. We answer the question, how do I share in the responsibility of my church? We pray for growth. We invite people. We warmly welcome people, all those things. Now, last week, we talked about service. I tried to motivate everyone. But I said, I don't want you to do something. I want you to be something. A servant is what we're called to be, to serve the community, to serve those around us, to share and show the love of Christ through our servant's heart because that's who Jesus was. Matter of fact, Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. So today we're going to talk about all those things and the importance of them as far as staying on mission. We have a mission here and it's to make disciples who make his way known. Yeah, so David and I, we were in college together, and uh, we were uh, very good at eradication of prairie dogs. 
and uh, at the eradication of prairie dogs together. He's, uh, uh, he's well remembered in my heart, in my Bible. I, I keep his, his picture along with the last, before he left, uh, along with the note that he left me. And uh, I've, I've had it there since, uh, um, since before he was killed. And uh, what makes a person, when you think of this, what makes a person understand that there's a greater mission, a greater cause that we're called to, and, and it's a cause so great that we're willing to give our life for it? What, what is it that compels us to give our life for something that's much greater than ourselves? Well, of course, it's easy to say Jesus, and yet sometimes it's hard to say Jesus. I believe this is why the Apostle Paul is always encouraging us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, because as our faith is perfected, we begin to see the greater cause. And guess what? It's not you. <laughs> That's a tough statement, isn't it? Guess what? It's not me. Because as I've matured as a Christian, I realize it's about others that need discipleship, that need to be brought into the fold and be saved. It's fascinating to me that when Jesus talks about the lost sheep, it doesn't say that he just left them out there or that he just went out and found him. He did what with that lost sheep? He brought it back into the fold. And that's going to be one of our points today, the importance of being a part of the fold, the importance of being discipled. Because the greatest cause should compel us to the greatest sacrifice. You understand that? The greatest cause, here's what I've learned, that in order to have life, I'm beginning to understand what Jesus meant. You must lose life. The culture tells us life looks this way. Jesus says, no, I'll show you fulfillment, and it looks like this. It's very different. It's staying on mission. It's understanding that there are a lot of things in culture. There's a lot of things in, in this world. There are a lot of things right here among us, one called pride that tries to take us away from the mission that we're called to do, and that is to make disciples. You see, I, I remember the day that, that David died. I, I remember getting up early early that morning, probably 4 o'clock. I was headed to the gym to work out before the day started, and um, I heard it on the radio that four missionaries were killed over in Iraq, and it, it pierced my heart because I felt like he's probably one of them. And on my way back, Allison called me early that morning, and she confirmed my greatest fear that he was one of them. He understood that, God's mission that had been placed on his heart, he was willing to give his life for. Sometimes we're called to the extreme. Sometimes we're called to the dangerous places. And sometimes that dangerous place is right here. Living out a life on mission for God. It's so easy to get distracted. Will Mancini, a famous church consultant all around the United States, even globally, he's a church consultant. He, uh, he has a book out there. I don't know if you've ever read it. It's called Church Unique. Anyway, and he also identified 19 of the most unique churches in America. And by the way, we were one of them. You, this is kind of interesting. You know why? Because we have more men attending church than women. Which in America today, that is, just doesn't happen. Most of our churches are around 70% women, 30% men. But one of the things that Harvest focuses on, focuses on are men. That's why I try to be very real and very raw up here. I say some things sometimes that may not have worked out where I've been in the past, okay, to say it, say it that way. But I'm pretty raw up here simply to say, hey, look, this is what we know, that, that churches today in time are becoming very effeminate. They've been castrated. 
There's a West Texas term you can go back and tell your children all about that, right? We have. Our culture is very effeminate. And we're looking for men to rise up, to be men, to stay on mission, to stay on point, to raise your family, to know God. It's very important. We build churches with these huge playgrounds and say if we just get the kids here, we'll get their parents too. That doesn't work. Statistics show that brings about 10% of the families into your church. If you get the wife, the woman, the, the mother, your percentage goes up to about 50 to 60% that you might get the entire family. But if you get the man, 98% of the time you get the rest of the family. So we're after you men. To be men. To rise up and to stay on point, to stay on mission. That it's very, very important for each one of us. Will Mancini said there are so many agendas out there that try to take us away from our true mission on hand to make disciples who make his way known. So I'm going to unpack some of those things that just he said. If you hear comments or statements like this, but my old church, this usually means they want your church to be like their old church. That they're no longer a part of. Go figure. Number two, I just need time to be fed. I talked about people being fed last week. When you get fed all the time, you get fat. That's what happens, right? More intake than output. That's not a good thing. We begin to show it. We begin to reveal it. And we reveal that in our faith as well. Look, we hear this. Will Mancini said this comes around quite often. I'm looking for a church that teaches the Word. This simply means I'm looking for a church that dispenses a lot of information without challenging me to do anything. Here's one that I hear a lot. I should know my pastor. This means in my last church I got to know the pastor, but when the, cha when the church grew and the pastor couldn't have dinner with us every Tuesday night, I left and came here. Are you going to eat with me? Right? What about this one? We want a church that's focused on discipling people. This means I want a church that's focused on me and not just on people who are lost, which is not always a bad thing. We are called to be deep and wide, church. That means we need to get into the intricacies of our faith. In order to stay on mission, look, you've got to first know there's a mission. So you step in and say, hey, I'm a part of the team. Now, God, disciple me and show me how my call in life is going to impact the mission of the church in a positive, good way. What about this one? I wish you wouldn't focus so much on what people need to do, Pastor. Well, this means they don't like commitment. They don't like to be told the Bible actually tells them how to live and follow Jesus. They want to come to church, live in their sin, and have no one tell them that this is wrong. Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Sometimes we need to be told that what we're doing is wrong. But most of the time, I want to tell you what you're doing right. Because we're also called to do what? To encourage, to put courage into people. To build you up. Oh, here's one. Now, this is Will Mancini, okay, with a little bit of Curtis. Mainly Will Mancini. Here we go. So what he said, I wish you wouldn't talk about money. And this is the best way to tell a pastor, I don't give. Just keep that in mind. Just register that, okay? What about this one? My old church or pastor was, and the way people come to your church is how they will leave your church. If your first conversation with them is all about their last church and their pastor, this is how they will leave your church and how they will go to their next church. 
Or what about this one? This one comes around a lot. Pastor, I've been talking to a lot of people, and they all say. So Will Mancini translated it this way. This means me, my spouse, and my mother think. Okay? And if they start this way, 99.9% .9 of the time, they have no one else who thinks this way. It is just the best way to complain. If someone has a complaint and uses this line with me, this is Will speaking, and uses this line with me, they need to list all of the names, or my best assumption is they talk to the same person ten times. That's true. So, so there are some things that make us a little bit tense, right? We, we come to church, we want to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. We want to hear the gospel, the good news, right? And now you're talking about mission and things that depart us from that mission. Well, yeah, well, I'm going to bring us back on mission, but the first thing we need to understand is submission. Do you realize every mission has subordinates to it? Wow. Let me think of, of an example just to kind of wake you up. Every mission has subordinates to the mission. This means that there is a mission, and we understand that we are subordinate to that mission. We are called to carry, to fulfill that mission. I can share a uh, a funny story about being in a live fire exercise when I was in the military and, and they were getting us used to rounds coming by so that you could hear those rounds and they told us, you know, stay low. Well, duh. First of all, if somebody's shooting at you and you don't know to stay low, maybe you need to be picked off because you're, you're not going to help accomplish the mission if that's you, okay? The military is not for everybody. But I remember them telling us this, and, and the way it worked was is you, would, you, would, you had a, a battle buddy, and with this battle buddy, we were to overtake a mountain, and we were going uphill, and you would, you would call out to him. You'd say, hey, Joe, you move, and I'll cover. And you would flip your M16 over to fully automatic, and you would suppress the enemy, and he would advance to the next area of cover. And I'm not telling some of you anything. You've been there many times. But, um, and, then, and then, of course... He would look back and say, hey, Joe, you, you move and I'll cover. And you would advance up the mountain. And, of course, when he turned and looked at me, I said, no, I'm good right here. You're doing great, man. Just keep going. <laughs> man, I'll keep sending those, those, that ammo downrange any day of the week, right, as long as you'll run. But here's the truth. The truth is, is we had to be sub, um, submissive to that mission. To say we're going to overtake this means that we're going to give what it takes for this to happen. If we're talking about mission, we always have to talk about submission. Submission to the greater vision of making disciples who make his way known. I'm not saying submitting to a person other than Jesus. But I am saying submitting not just to Jesus, but to the mission he has given for us here at Harvest. Submit to that mission. And there are ways of doing that very thing. Matthew 28, 19. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. There's a few things in that that could look offensive at first. I mean, when you, when you read this, Jesus said it. I didn't say it. But he says this. He says, go and make disciples first of all. He doesn't say go and get them all saved. That's the first step. That's called salvinic in nature. Okay, and the first step is for someone to profess Christ as their Lord and Savior and to believe that in their heart, 
Romans 10, 9. But it doesn't stop there. I hope everybody sees it starts there. Do you know that when I'm out witnessing to people during the week, um, the number one comeback is they don't want to hear me preach. All right, maybe they've gone here before. I don't know. But, but they simply say, um, I'm saved. Hey, cowboy, I'm saved. You know, I'm good. I'm good. I'm saved. Well, really, well, Jesus told me to make you a disciple. So what's that going to look like? Because if you're simply in this thing to be saved, I don't know how effective that is for the mission of the church. We're all called to be made disciples and to make disciples. Here's the other thing. He says, teach them to obey. That's offensive. Our culture doesn't like to obey. Don't tell me where I went wrong. Man, I could give you numerous times that I went wrong and people said, hey, boy, that, that doesn't look like it. It looks like the word of God living richly indwelling your life. Oh, yeah, you're probably right. I might need to listen to you, right? Um, but to obey, to obey everything I've commanded you and surely I'm with you always. I love that promise. I'm with you always to the very end of the age. You are never alone. And this, this is our, our very mission passage right here. To go and to make disciples. So how do we do that here at Harvest? What does that look like? The first thing I want you to hear this morning is attend faithfully. We've got to come together, folks. Hebrews tells us not to neglect or forsake the gathering of God's people. Meaning that there needs to be a time where we come together where our gifts are here for one another. Some of you have a prayer gift that you're able to use for others who, who are here this morning. Some of you have an encouraging gift that can, can definitely admonish someone else. Some of you just simply have a gift of you. That without you, it's different here. And, and all of us have gifts. We talked about that last week. But when we come together, when we understand it's important that we attend church, because here is where discipleship really happens. We are honed here together. Not just from the preacher preaching the Word of God, but from each one of us learning to love and to get along and what church ought to look like and what church ought to be. And as we grow and as we build upon the Word of God, lives are changed and transformed, including my own. And we live it out to a world that desperately needs Jesus Christ. Guys, this is our team. This is our unit. This is our army. I don't care how you put it. This is who God called together in order to go and make disciples who make His way known. So we need to attend it. Now I understand. Let me just read what I have. We live in a day where participation has become optional in church. I go if I feel like it. Years ago, I remember a man telling me, he said, you know, there's, I feel closer to God down there at the third fence post than I ever have in church. I was like, well, we ought to build a church there. I mean, what do you want? I mean, you know, put one of those little memorial things and go out there and pray. I don't know. But the truth is, church is people. It's the ecclesia. It's, it's got to have us together. That's what the church truly is. You do what you believe. I hope we all hear this. That participation has become optional in so many areas, especially in church. Well, Sunday I'm tired. I mean, last night I had a, I had a late night. Man, I worked all night. Do you know I've got the night shift? Look, I can, we can all come up with excuses. I remember when I joined the Army, it was back in the day, which they would never have this commercial today. It'd probably run people away. 
They said, we do more before 8 a.m. than most people do all day. Sign me up. Right? I mean, that doesn't appeal to us today. But that was the commercial because I was the idiot that said, yeah, okay, man, let's see how much I can get done by 8. They didn't let us have excuses. It's amazing to me. One night, just here a while back, I had to stay up all night over something that happened. The entire night. But you know what? I preached two sermons on Sunday morning. and the afternoon, we had membership class. Nothing changed. I didn't ask you to cry for me or feel sorry for me. That's just life. Because here's the thing. We do what we believe. If you believe football, basketball, track, karate, 4-H, piano, or any other thing is important to you or your children, you're going to have them at practice. And you're especially going to have them there for the game. It's just the way it works. Sunday morning is game day, and we need to have our uniforms on, and we need to be ready to play. People are introduced to hospitality. They are embraced. They are held in a valuable way. No service, no matter what you do here. It may be right now for you just showing up, but it's important. How many people like to come to an empty sanctuary? Oh, there was five in church today. We had 300 seats. Man, it was good. You don't hear that, right? That's not what we talk about. Do you know how low our attendance was this week? Man, it was so deep. We just, no one was there to hear it. Come on, we don't talk like that. If it's just your participation on, on gathering here, understanding the importance of being here, attending faithfully, faithfully because we go from here to our life groups and once again you get to go over the message and be discipled in there and talk about it with one another. So learn to attend faithfully. Make sure that it's a priority, that it's not just an addition to, but no, this is priority in our lives. The second thing is, is learn to live a godly life. It's important that we understand that that who we are on the inside needs to reflect who we are on the outside. And look, eventually it will. Eventually it will. Somebody's going to cut you off in traffic. It's going to happen. And, and I have to check myself sometimes and say, you know what, why do I think I'm so important? I had a train, two trains. Friday, I was going to a little session at the school because next week I'm supposed to teach up there on a Friday. And so they have to do background checks and all this stuff. I was supposed to be there at 11. So I come down the hill. I get to the railroad tracks. And there are two trains stopped on the track. And I'm like, this is not a time for engineers to talk. I need across this track. I, and I'm getting mad. And I'm starting to think, you know what? We ought to just blow them up. I mean, Elijah called down fire. I'm about to give it a shot. And then I had to check myself and say, my goodness, what if I am a little bit late? What if that does happen? What if these trains don't move and I have to drive all the way around? Yeah, I'll be frustrated, but I've got to let what's on the inside, the peace that surpasses all understanding, to win the day. He's got to win the day in our lives. So look, learn to live a godly life. Learn to call upon the one who we claim we serve and we follow and since you are uh and, and and know this learn to grow where you are planted since you are planted here be discipled here and grow this will spill over into your family into your work into your sphere of influence and eventually onto your sphere of concern it's a ma it's it's amazing to me 
If Allison were here, she would admit it. But, man, she can get worked up over the political situation. I mean, it's, it, 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 and we all can. And we can look at this and we can see politicians simply running for themselves. Well, that's a sphere of concern. How are we going to change that? Not by yelling, griping, complaining. I mean, go to the ballot boxes, that's fine, but I'm going to start with my family. And they're going to know that they need to be people of their word and people of God's word. And maybe one day, who knows, we may have a president that's right here close that we're able to, to influence or maybe a senator, or maybe wherever that goes. But right now, I know my sphere of influence is where I need to pour myself into. The sphere of concern will get us off. Learn how to live a godly life wherever you are. Bloom where you're planted. It's not about perfection, but it is about God's government becoming your personal government, which brings about this thing called peace. And I want to tell you something. Everybody wants peace in their life. I've never known anybody said, man, I just want it like chaotic in my home it's awesome come over right now when you're 20 you might want to go to that party right but then you're going to look back on and say god why did i ever go to that place my goodness this broken nose and this black eye i could have avoided that i should go to a place of peace learn to live a godly life wherever you are bloom where you're planted and and i love this because when i think about where God has led me in my own life, this next point, this last point that I'm going to make, right, is going to get your attention. Because as you think about this, you're going to look at me and go, well, every pastor is going to put that. Let's see. The third point, the final point is learn to give regularly. There's a reason for this, and it's not the reason you're thinking. You're out there thinking, oh, yeah, he's going to say that because, you know, these pastors like to get rich off the money we give. Yes. <laughs> Fill them up. My cup overfloweth. The truth is, is that we have a, a team here that sets our salaries. So you don't have to worry about that. And really, it's like I said last week, I'm not trying to get you to do something. I'm trying to get you to be something. We are called Christians. And we support the mission and the vision of Harvest Christian Fellowship. We've been called here together to carry this. And it's not a man's mission or vision. It's God's. And so we submit ourselves to this vision. And one of the ways we do that is we learn to give regularly. Here's why. Because I want you to walk in the blessing of the Lord. If we refuse to talk about finances, it's doing you harm. Not me. We are not discipling in that area. You won't learn how to get your house in order. Jesus makes it clear that both money and God have the ability to get them or to get you to serve one of those two things. And if that's the case, today I ask you, which one do you serve? Maybe I should put it this way. How much is enough? You see, we want to learn to be givers. In Malachi, we are told, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. You understand this is the only place in Scripture where God says, test me. Try to put me first and see what happens. See, and then he goes on to say, and see if it will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Isn't that incredible? That here he makes a promise to us and says, and see if I will not do my part. This is what God's saying. 
and throw open the floodgates of heaven, why would we not disciple in that area? Why would we not want everyone to walk in the blessing of the Lord? Equipping the saints requires us to teach on this. The best chance of reaching and changing the direction of our culture is to take this seriously for our church. Mature disciples give. It's like last week. People won't remember what you get in this life, but they will remember what you gave. Through service and finances, people remember. We know we are blessed to be a blessing. Jesus said you cannot serve two masters, for you will love the one and despise the other. And he is speaking of money there in that passage. Both God and money have the ability to get you to serve. The tithe is a safe way of keeping God first. That's all. It's just a safe way of keeping God first. And everyone benefits. Look, you understand I'm here because someone gave first. The church around the world has been taught, it has been discipled to be givers. We stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before us. You understand, even with Harvest Christian Fellowship, it amazes me. It amazes me how it's been sown in that Plainview campus. They have been discipled in what it looks like. And now I see Lubbock coming on and Amarella coming on. See, I was able to come to Amarella and not have to be bivocational, which was not the case for Pastor Paul Seipert, for Pastor Chris Craig, for Pastor... Uh, Brad or Pastor Justin, either one. They all had to be bivocational. When they came to me and said, we want you to plant a church, help us plant a church in Amarillo, and we'll be able to pay you so much, but it'll be considered full-time. And, hey, that's a blessing. That means somebody gave before us. Amarillo has grown rapidly. You see, it took Plainview like 17 years to get to 300. It took Lubbock seven years to hit 300. We got there in about half that time. It continues to go faster. You see, people have given to the mission, and the mission is speeding up, which means more disciples, more churches, more opportunities for more disciples. One day you too may be an employee of carrying this vision, Harvest Christian Fellowship, to plan a church. Who knows what God is going to place on your heart, or on the heart of those who are following this vision. To make disciples, to make disciples, to make disciples who make His way known. I love to talk about mission. I love to talk about staying on point. It's very important. Harry S. Truman, he was holding office at the end of World War II, and in his um, speech in 1946, it's interesting, he reminded Americans of what they had fought for. I love that. He's saying that somebody paid, many of you paid the ultimate price, many of you gave up your spouses, everything else, your children, so that we could have this thing known as freedom. It's a great mission to have this freedom. He went on to say this, if men and women would but live by the precepts of the early prophets and the teachings of the Sermon on the Mount, problems which now seem so difficult would soon disappear. Now watch this. He goes on to say, this is a supreme opportunity for the church to continue to fulfill its mission on earth. Oh, for a St. Paul to reawaken this sick world and its moral responsibilities. Now he said that in 1946. How bad could it have been there? 
when you talk about morals and moralities. Sometimes we don't even know what gender we are. Are you kidding? The church has to speak up. It's got to rise up. It's got to say, men be men, women be women. There's nothing wrong with that. Nobody's after you. The mission of the church, oh, for an Isaiah is what he said, oh, or a St. Paul, somebody needs to reawaken because the hope for the world is the mission that the church carries. So die to yourselves and pick up that cross and follow him. You see, to stay on mission is to stay focused on God's call and submitting to his mission in our lives. John chapter 12, verse 24, in the New American Standard, it says it this way, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Do you understand how hard that was for me to accept when I came to Harvest Christian Fellowship? Four and a half years ago, I was running the show, folks. I was, it, it was fun. I mean, I had a big staff and got to sit in there with the staff and say, hey, let's hear your report, okay, that's enough. Hey, did you write that down? Well, if you didn't write it down, it ain't happening. You're the custodian, you're fired. Felt like a big boy, right? And I had, had a written leadership curriculum that got published for heaven's sake. Things were really looking good for me, and then God said, hey, but I need you to make disciples. You're going to have to learn what it means to die to yourself. And I remember coming over to Harvest Christian Fellowship and sitting at the table and listening to them saying, hurry up, let's get this meeting over. i got some things I want to write down. And so I put these elaborate flow charts together and everything else. And I sent them over to the headship, and they called me in for a meeting, and they said, we just want you to understand something. We don't do this. Do you know who I am? And they said, yeah, we're not impressed. <laughs> it was a tough day in my life. God gave me this scripture. And he said, I called you here to uphold this mission. And this is how you do it. And you've got to submit to it. It is where I've called you now. And you've got to learn what John 12, 24 says. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, and it is time for you to die to yourself. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Pick up this one. Carry it. Be, worth, be a worthy soldier to accomplish it. See, the truth is, most of us struggle with dying to ourselves, if we're honest. We want it our way. We want it today. But when we die to ourselves and pick up God's mission, it bears much fruit. Look, David McDonald, my friend, whose picture's in the back of my Bible, right? We did missions around this world together. He's been dead for 10 years, but his fruit still continues. Many of you were ministered to by his life this very day. It's the same for us. We follow the mission of, that God has given us. And we need to understand we will bear much fruit. We will be made disciples and we will continue to make disciples. John Wesley called together his pa pastors, especially two primary ones, Thomas Koch and Francis Asbury. And before he sent them over, he said this, I don't have everything to tell you. You know what you should do. But if I were to leave you with just some words that would help you, offer them Christ. That's it. Y'all go and offer them Christ. You see, our mission, making disciples who make His way known, starts here. We offer you Jesus. Have you accepted Him?
Are you a disciple? Maybe I should say it this way. Stick around and you will be. Stick, a ri- stick around and you will be. Would you please stand? Father God, I thank you, Lord, for each one this morning. And Lord, this is a call to be one church with one mission to make disciples. Father, I just pray that, uh, God, we would celebrate the discipleship that has taken place here. Lord, that we would stay on point. Father, that we would be mighty men and women of God who make a difference, who impact this world for you. Lord, we bless you. Father, I pray this morning, if there's one out there that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, that has not been saved, that has not made that step, that commitment, that profession of faith, that that would happen this very morning. And as the altar team comes forward, that they would be prepared to pray fervently, pray fervently for those who need to make that profession of faith. Be ready to pray fervently, Lord, for those who are struggling with submitting to a vision or a mission, which is you. God, I I thank you that we are harvest. I thank you, God, that uh, the greatest victory in my life has been learning what it means to die to self, to take up my cross and to follow you. Lord, we love you and we bless you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.